The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Off the Shelf gives a voice to commercial service and product companies selling in the federal market. Roger speaks to members and government officials about procurement policy, trends, innovations, and debates. Now your host, Roger Waldron. Today on Off the Shelf, we're going to be focusing on Booz Allen Hamilton's response to COVID-19 in terms of its operations, uh, change in tempo, change to uh, remote work, and how it's supporting its clients across the federal marketplace. Uh, my guests are Andrea Ansera. She is Executive Vice President, uh, focusing on providing client service to Booz Allen's aerospace accounts, uh, in particular United States Air Force, Space Force, and NASA. Also, Amy George Leary, she is a senior vice president. Uh, she leads Booz Allen Hamilton's strategy and execution of comprehensive employee value uh, programs. And also, Jen Wagner, she is a senior vice president, leading the firm's enterprise risk and security teams, as well as the office of the CEO. And we're going to be talking today about uh, COVID 19, uh, Booz Allen Hamilton's response uh, in terms of how it changed operations and continued to strive to support its employees as well as support its customers. And guys, first of all, thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks, Roger. We're, we're glad to be here. Well, I'm looking forward to this conversation. And I think this is the first show that we have done that's sort of focused on, you know, organizational responses to COVID-19 and how, you know, the private sector firms like yours have responded to it and while still meeting uh, mission requirements for customer agencies. You know, I know Booz Allen Hamilton's government contractor, global company with over 27,000 employees. Um, you had to immediately focus on handling the pandemic. Um, and I understand there was a lot involved. So Jen, can you, you know, walk us through where you were at the time it started and what the company looked like and how you, you began your response? Sure thing. I'll start off here. Um, thanks, Roger. So COVID-19 has certainly been a challenge around the world. Um, and for our firm, we play a differentiated role for our federal clients in that we operate at the intersection of mission and technology. Um, it's really the core of our market differentiation, and we really needed to make sure that we were going to continue to support our clients outside of the office when COVID really started to hit. Um, so resiliency was important to tackle this crisis many times in our history. Um, you know, we've been in business for more than 100 years. We've had a crisis management team that you'll hear me and others talk about the CMT. Um, and that helps our people, our clients and our communities um, to get through things such as Hurricane Michael, which was a Category 5 storm that impacted our offices from the Florida Panhandle up through Norfolk. Um, the 2018-2019 government shutdown when the um, federal government closed for 35 days. We had to figure out how to keep our business viable and really uh, support our clients. Yeah, Jen, I'd like to jump in here. And that's right. You know, we are ready to respond quickly because we are a values and people-focused firm. When all of this began, you know, we really started with a commitment to each other. And we, we coined the phrase, we're in it together, right? We put forward three priorities that have guided every decision, um, including our move to mandatory telework, um, our $100 million reprioritization of our budget, 
uh, to provide significant new and enhanced you know, programs as part of that resiliency you spoke of. Um, first and foremost was to protect the health and the safety of our people, their families, and our communities. Second, we really wanted to make sure we could continue to support the critical missions of our clients. And third, we needed to make sure we could ensure the financial and institutional resilience of our firm. Um, our values in action can be seen in these guiding principles in our pandemic responses, in the responses prior that you mentioned, and particularly the effort put forward uh, during the period of March through June, which was when we really you know, had to pull everybody together and figure our way through the beginning stages of this. You know, Amy, as you mentioned, the firm's values have been truly our guiding principles as we've responded to this pandemic and working with our clients on the diversity of their needs. You know, in those early days of the pandemic, as the science was deeply uncertain and there was very limited unified guidance at the federal, state, local, command and agency level, we immediately reached to our clients to see where they needed help. We expressed, quite frankly, our, our concern and our balance of, of meeting their needs, but we also had to ensure the safety of our employees as well as everyone within our client community. These conversations occurred at the most senior level of our clients, to our program level, even to, to discussions across the acquisition leadership. You know, we've been clear from the beginning about the safety and cleanliness standards that, that we really require and uphold ourselves to uh, for the safety of our people as well as our client community. And that we, you know, initially defaulted to a teleworking position up front, but we knew clients needed us to support their mission essential programs. And we knew from the beginning that we needed to support them in their client locations, as well as our secure facilities. And we did just that. You know, overall, I'd say we've received very positive feedback for how quickly we responded and how proactive our safety measures have been. Well, uh, thanks, Andrea. And just to follow up on on that and, and talk a little bit about, um, I know you mentioned earlier, Jen, the CMT, the crisis management team. Can you talk about the structure, the foundation you had in, that Booz Allen has in place, you know, to respond to situations like COVID-19, what you had that preexisted COVID-19 and how you responded through the crisis management team to the COVID-19 environment pandemic that we've gone through? Jen? Sure thing, Roger. Um, so our crisis management team um, is really central in a lot that we're able to do, and it's really the reason we were able to jump in um, with our successful initial response. Any major crisis that we have, we quickly convene a CMT that has two key components. There are first a set of internal corporate functions, such as people services, our legal team, um, our security team, um, that band together. And then second, we always include leaders from the business that is impacted. So if you think about the hurricanes, that was where we would pick up the local leaders in those offices to work with us. This is a team that creates the strategy. It directs the actions of the various corporate functions. Um, we anchor this approach in lessons that we've learned from the past to make sure that we're bringing all of those best practices forward. And importantly, we have um, direct access to the firm's leadership team and, and our CEO. So in the case of COVID-19, if you think about the early days back in January, February, we were monitoring the virus through our weekly geopolitical security calls um, and leveraging what we call our threat assessment center. As the virus unfolded overseas, we thought we could manage it by restricting international travel. Um, we realized really by the end of February, this was not gonna be enough. 
It was a very challenging time. Uh, we had health and safety concerns for our staff and the science was not developed. So our CMT went to work and they went to work fast. So decisions that might've taken months of debate, such as enhanced PTO programs, we had to make in days. Well, and Andrea, you know, one of the aspects of this, I know with regard to the CMT is, I know you have a core at Booz Allen of um, health experts, many of them internal to the firm that help support this effort. Can you talk a little bit about that, Andrea? Yeah, absolutely, Roger. You know, the CMT has been invaluable since day one for us in the market, um, but we've also had to rely on a lot of our health experts, many, Roger, who are inside the firm. They have decades of combined public health experience, including our chief medical officer. They also have a number of colleagues that have supported similar uh, pandemics throughout their experiences. We're also fortunate, Roger, because we work with several uh, federal health agencies, and that provides us a lot of in-house expertise, giving us the ability to really think thoughtfully about this pandemic and, and identify really new ways to address. You know, guided by our values that we talked about and the science, we've been taking a very protective approach uh, to the safety of our employees as well as everyone within our client community. Well, and you know what? That's a good place to break because we're up on the time for the segment. And when we come back, we can talk a little bit about how Booz Allen is addressing COVID with its staff and then how, you know, operations are ongoing and working now as you have implemented CMT and move forward with operating guidance and principles for the employees. My guests today are Andrea and Sarah. She's Executive Vice President. Amy George Leary, Senior Vice President. And Jen Wagner, Senior Vice President, all from Booth Allen Hamilton. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Walder. My guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton. Andrea Ansara is Executive Vice President, focusing on serving clients in the aerospace uh, market, the United States Air Force, Space Force, and NASA. Amy George Leary is Senior Vice President, uh, leading Booz Allen Hamilton's Strategy and Execution of Comprehensive Employee Value Proposition Programs. And Jen Wagner is a Senior Vice President leading the firm's enterprise risk and security teams, as well as the office of the CEO. Guys, uh, we're back, and I, I wanted to pick up where we left off and talk a little bit about how Booz Allen is now addressing COVID-19 and its staffing. Jen, could you take a shot at that? Got it, Roger. Thank you. So our approach has and, and continues to evolve, as more is known about COVID-19 and the virus ebb and flow and ebb and flow again. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we had a monitoring phase going in January. By mid-March, we moved to containment and then realized shortly thereafter that the pandemic was really going to be around for the long haul. So we quickly piloted to a mandatory telework day on Friday, March 13th. And just to make it fun, we hosted two firm all-hands calls virtually on that same day. Even our CEO was at home. That pilot was very successful. Um, and due to that success, we pivoted quickly over that weekend to mandatory telework where possible uh, that following Tuesday. So we moved pretty quickly. It's important to know, even though we're saying mandatory telework, that some of our people really never left the office. We have a number of essential infrastructure functions, such as our IS team. Um, and then we have client missions we support that require our people to go to work in those cases and under what we call a force protection plan that mandated reduced capacity, deep cleaning, masks, and other preventive measures. 
Amy, can you talk about what we did to roll into our first phase? Yeah, Jen, thank you. As we entered the first phase, we really worked hard uh, to roll out a plan in April that made a number of commitments to our people, our clients, and the communities. But first and foremost was a commitment to no layoffs uh, or furloughs or reduced work hours or pay for our employees in good standing, at least through July 1st. That was really important to us. We also um, had emergency paid time off for those who became ill from the coronavirus or who had unexpected dependent care needs due to the pandemic. Um, we were really focused on uh, contributing additional employee flexible spending dollars for people that had dependent care expenses that were being doubled because of the circumstances. Um, we also had about $5 million that we put into a Booz Allen Employee Resilience Fund. So providing grants to employees who had financial hardships, you know, maybe someone in their family lost their job or they had real hardships and they, they needed help. We also wanted to make sure we made a commitment of at least $10 million to assist the communities. So um, a commitment to match employee donations up to $50,000 for a number of organizations, including like Feeding America for the nation's food banks, the CDC Foundation, really around um, helping vulnerable healthcare workers. Um, and then the COVID-19 Military Support Initiative to support our veterans and, and military families. You know, 110 million is not something we would normally be able to do. But because of our culture, we really embrace this philosophy of shared effort, right? Here's what the firm can do for you. And, you know, here's what we need from you so that we can all uh, have, you know, some resiliency and, and sustain over the long haul. And it has been very, very positive. You know, today we're entering, or we are in, I should say, phase two. Um, that's what we term safe return. This phase started in June. It most likely will run through uh, the calendar year. And we're really trying to balance health and safety now with client needs for work on site. Um, the key attributes of this phase that we're in now, again, maintaining that maximizing of um, telework, enhancing the telework experience for everyone, really partnering with our clients and investing in programs to create safer work sites. Uh, we're also looking at additional benefits, you know, continuing to extend and enhance those benefits and support programs for our employees. And then lastly, you know, what are we doing as a, as a firm to problem solve um, around the pandemic and, and the pressing challenges that we're all seeing? So that's really where our focus is now. Yeah. You know, Amy, I have to go back. I remember that day, March 13th, very well. It was, it was a Friday because that was our, you know, at the Coalition for Government Procurement, our last day in the office as well and we went to immediately to remote work and you know that's for our organization it worked pretty well but we're a very small organization for an organization like booz allen hamilton you know basically doing a 180 degree sort of turn in terms of operations and how you how you support the customer to me i think about the culture of the organization the values um, and the people as critical to making that happen. Can you talk a little bit about that, Amy? Yeah, absolutely, Roger. Um, you know, it is important to discuss the underpinning that really has made us successful, which is our people and our culture, like you said. You know, prior to the crisis, we felt we had a strong culture of support, collaboration, people offering help, people asking for help. You know, our workforce is very diverse with very different needs. And that's the thing that we strive to continually do is meet our employees where they are. 
Um, one of the most important considerations of our employee support efforts was really to offer flexibility so that there was something available for everyone, given what they need when they need it. And if their needs change, you know, there's something available for them. We have working parents who have children home from school, right? They are struggling with different requirements from people who are, you know, by themselves, maybe who are alone and have expressed concerns that they feel isolated or they're taking on burden for others that are having challenges. Our people have donated leave through our leave sharing program. So they're leaning in and helping. If people found themselves um, not able to go to a client site for various circumstances, they were being pulled onto projects where remote work was possible. Um, we've hosted meetups and, and support sessions. To be agile though, and to make these programs possible, the firm and our people have made decisions to reprioritize costs and things that they need. You know, We brought senior leaders together from across the firm to look at scenarios, discuss options, really assess the impact on our people and our business. Some choices were easy. And quite frankly, some were more difficult, but everybody understood what was necessary for long-term sustainment. Right, and while at the same time, you know, Booz Allen, you moved to mandatory telework, you still had clients who required, you know, Booz Allen employees to report to the sites. Andrea, how did that work? How did the culture and the balance between safety and mission support being on site, how did Booz Allen address that? Yeah, Roger, uh, great question. Um, you know, while there were many challenges in the day-to-day the -day operations as we started through this pandemic, we were fortunate because our, our staff continued to bring our values to work with them, whether they were working from home or working on client site. And really, you know, kind of that passionate service to our clients kind of was at the forefront of their support to our clients. And, you know, as, as Jen mentioned earlier, we had over 20% of our workforce reporting back to client site or working in secure facilities or working in laboratories to do what we call mission essential work. Um, you know, Amy mentioned, we, we've, we've had to provide the flexibility to our folks, you know, if they have medical reasons or other reasons that they cannot report to a client site. And, and we've had to pivot as leaders in the business. We've had to allow for them to work from remote locations and pivot others to those client sites. So, you know, there's a balance, as Amy mentioned, and, and we've had to be really able to adjust to the new challenges that, that the pandemic has created. But while always keeping the safety and health of our employees and to our client community really at the forefront of our decision making. You know, I think about workforce continuity, Roger, and I, I think about the folks that have you know, kids at home since March who've been juggling work and virtual school to summer cancellation of summer programs to now most of us going back to a fall semester uh, virtually. You know, I'm in that category. I have two young daughters at home and balancing the requirements of home and work is challenging for many working parents. And, and it's probably the first time, at least for me, who've co-located home and work. You know, we understand that these challenges will require our employees to make choices. And as Amy mentioned, we have to provide the flexibility to them. We've seen some who may decide to pivot out of the workforce, but others have turned to reduced hours or getting work done in off hours. And it all can work. Um, so we've had to be, be able to adjust, you know, and I think that we're going to continue to need to evaluate and assess the conditions as the pandemic continues. You know, finally, I'd say, Roger, one of the, you know, kind of encouraging things that I'm seeing as, as we work with and our clients, both 
in booze allen sites at home and quite frankly in our client environments i'm encouraged by how fast technologies and tools are being adopted it's almost by necessity that we can all connect together through virtual communications but i will tell you we are seeing the positive impact in terms of our client engagements delivering to programs with clients working you know among ourselves career managers having career discussions with employees in ways that we never thought were possible before. So I'm encouraged, um, truthfully, by some of the things that will come out of the pandemic. Thanks, Andrea. And, you know, we're up on the break. And when we come back, I'd, I'd like to continue to talk a little bit about, you know, the culture, the foundation, and you know, the adoption of technology. And then we could maybe turn to what you see as some of the safety challenges we're facing as we move in today's environment and moving forward. My guests today are Andrea and Sarah. She's Executive Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton, Amy George Leary, Senior Vice President, Booz Allen Hamilton, and Jen Wagner, who's Senior Vice President at Booz Allen Hamilton as well. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton. Andrea and Sarah is Executive Vice President, focusing on aerospace accounts, United States Air Force, Space Force, and NASA. Amy George Leary is Senior Vice President, uh, focusing on supporting the employee value proposition. And Jen Wagner is a Senior Vice President, leading the firm's enterprise and risk security teams, as well as the Office of CEO. And Jen, when we took the break, Andrea just started introducing the issues and opportunities that technology provide, you know, for, you know, supporting customer agency missions and Booz Allen Hamilton's adoption of those technologies. Can you talk a little about um, how you've leveraged technology in support of customer mission? Sure thing, Roger. There are really uh, so many examples on how we've leveraged technology to keep us productive and continue the pulse of our operations It's really uh, enabled us to maintain how we engage with our people. And as you heard, our people are very important for us. Um, There is a silver lining here with COVID. Um, We're connecting in ways that we weren't doing before. We've really shifted to being connected online and a whole new digital way of working. Our leadership and especially our CIO, Rebecca McHale, has placed a lot of energy into getting people the information they need. We're using new technology, such as whiteboarding tools. We've embraced video conferencing, such as WebEx, collaboration tools. We're using MS Teams. We've boosted internal communications and social media and and much more. Um, So we know there's things that are actually going to change for the positive in the longer term, and we're going to leverage them well beyond the pandemic. Our CPO, Betty Thompson, calls WebEx the great equalizer, where everyone is on the phone or the video, rather than some people being in the office and some teleworking. So every voice is now heard and seen. Yeah, and this just makes me think about our operations and that balance. The technology makes you available, I'm literally potentially 24 hours a day, right? But at the same time, there's the balance with family uh, needs, whether you have kids in school and they're online and how all that's going to work and you know, the cancellation of camps and all that stuff. Amy, can you talk a little bit about how um, that balance for the workforce and ensuring they're not overtaxed, you know, and balancing the family and the work demands, um, how you guys are addressing that? Yeah, it's a great point, Roger. And it's definitely 
something that's been top of mind for us. You know, we are seeing people definitely working more, taking less time, and people are just tired, right? And we are continuing to focus on balance and overall well-being. You know, we are asking our leaders and people to show empathy and support for different work time requirements. Not everybody can clock in at the same time and they need to step away and take care of people at home. Encouraging boundaries, you know, really establishing boundaries uh, on the teams, you know, maybe cutting meetings down. Not everything has to be a WebEx. These are some of the things that we're trying to reinforce. Making sure people understand their options for flexibility, right? What uh, different work schedules are out there, you know, part-time options, how to raise concerns and get support. We talked about folks trying to find new projects. How are we enabling that? Ultimately, though, you know, it's really about providing positive, steady, and consistent leadership across the organization. Our leaders continue to echo the sentiment of taking care of yourself, right? It's that old analogy, you know, the airplane, the oxygen mask, you got to put it on yourself first. So doing things to help people take care of themselves, reinforcing our wellness programs. We've had a wellness, strong wellness program in place for a number of years that focuses on emotional physical and financial wellness and really, you know, driving those, um, the awareness of those and the adoption of those uh, during this time is, is something else that we've really been focused on. Uh, you know, this is something that we're going to continue to learn and find new mechanisms to help our folks through this time. Yeah. And um, Andrea, I wanted to ask you just a sort of logical follow-up to that to me is you've got folks who are, you know, now working remotely you know, ongoing efforts. They're trying to balance the work, uh, family life um, situations. And you, and you, Booz Allen is supporting the folks through that. At the same time, I know you're thinking about the return to work and what does that look like? Can you talk a little bit about what your leadership is considering with regard to bringing back the workforce and offices or, you know, how the new normal is going to work when staff is remote? Yeah, Roger, absolutely. You know, I think as we consider and think about these safe return plans as we call them. You know, we stay focused and committed to our people and our clients and making sure that you know, we're thinking safety first and protection um, as really that highest priority. But, but you're right, there will come a time and, and there is already becoming a time where we have to assess whether we can send people back. And so, you know, we have a, a force protection program that Jen talked about earlier that really in the early days really kind of required us to do mandatory remote work and closed down many of our facilities, really kind of closed those in terms of access, to, again, to enable the security and safety of our folks. But as we think about return to work, we have these safety plans that we run through and we work through with our clients to really ensure that, you know, proper protective equipment is in place that you know, guidelines for entering a facility, operating within facility, leaving a facility are all set up. And quite frankly, once we have those kind of checked off and we can you know, ensure the safety and security of not only our own folks and our own uh, consultants, but as important, the entire client community, you also have to really sustain and, and, and check in and make sure that those environments are set up. You know, I'm encouraged uh, through the work that we do with our clients. Uh, they're starting to see some of the efficiencies of having kind of a hybrid model where you have some folks working remote and some folks uh, working on site. Right. Yeah, that's interesting to me because, I mean, just thinking, you know, from a personal perspective, that balance, like I'm actually, I go into the office more often than not. And the rest of the folks, um, you know, are working remotely. But that balance between, 
myself being able to come in here and take care of the mail and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, versus them all working remotely seems to work pretty well uh, for us. And one of the things I know you guys look at are you know, trends and data and communication of safe return decisions. Jen, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, we're very fortunate um, with the talent in, in our company. We've got um, top data scientists. We've got a chief medical officer. We've got epidemiologists that I think Andrea was talking about earlier. And we've taken that expertise and we've developed where the trends are improving. We know where they're declining uh, on a global basis. And we leverage this information pretty much every day to follow hotspots um, and adjust our different frameworks for how we are um, dealing with the virus. For example, we have U.S. staff that deploy globally. So some of those will take a, you know, an approval process to get that through. In addition to those regular approvals, we supplement them with a crisis management team layer. So we're able to ensure that our employee is going to a safe region or safe as we think it can be. Um, what needs to be done before they board an airplane, such as a negative COVID test, or if there's a quarantine mandate um, once they get in the country, I, there's an amazing amount of regulations and changes that you've got to navigate. Um, we're also sharing this data with our clients, um, and we're proactively managing contact tracing to meet local, state, and um, country regulatory conditions. And Amy, I know one of the things that you all are doing too is just you know, the approach of of making sure people are being responsible for their own health. Can you talk a little bit about that as we close out the segment? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we really want to make sure we're going one step beyond contact tracing with our staff uh, and really emphasize, like you said, that people are being responsible for their health. So, you know, for example, if they're not feeling well, they should make the determination not to come in. Um, Also, if they have the due diligence to report, when they've traveled somewhere, um, that they're diligent about wearing masks at client sites or in open areas at facilities. You know, we're looking at testing protocols. We've piloted antibody testing in the early phases of this pandemic and learned that the vast majority of our staff did not carry the antibodies. You know, we also piloted temperature testing as you came into our facilities and literally zero fevers we, we were recording despite thousands of people being tested. So, you know, we are focused on COVID-19 testing and on-demand via saliva testing or kiosks. We really are making sure that we are protecting the safety and the health of our people, and we need everyone to be in it with us. Absolutely. And we've covered a lot of ground in these first three segments, and I think the last segment, I think I'd love to focus on the lasting, from your guys' perspective, the lasting legacy of COVID-19. What does it mean? For business, what does it mean for government? What does it mean for us individually as employees and as family members? Um, my guests today are Andrea and Sarah. She's Executive Vice President, Amy George Leary, Senior Vice President, and Jen Wagner, Senior Vice President, all from Booth Island Hamilton. I'm Roger Waldron, and you're listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. Welcome back to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. I'm Roger Waldron. My guests today are from Booz Allen Hamilton. Andrea and Sarah is Executive Vice President, focusing on Booz Allen's aerospace accounts, including the United States Air Force, Space Force, and NASA. Amy George Leary is Senior Vice President. She focuses on employee enhancement capabilities, shared and developing a shared culture, engaging workforce, building the talent programs across. Booz Allen Hamilton. 
and Jen Wagner is Senior Vice President leading the firm's enterprise risk and security teams, as well as the office of the CEO. And guys, we've talked a lot today about Booz Allen Hamilton's response to COVID-19 across the board in terms of technology, people, culture, capabilities. And this segment, I like to talk about, you know, from your perspective, what you see as a lasting uh, legacy of COVID-19. So I'm going to turn to Amy first and just get her perspective and her thoughts on that. Amy? Yeah. Like you said, there will be a lot of legacies coming out of this pandemic. You know, we talked a lot about the way people work will change forever. Our workplace shifts towards telework, this hybrid model that Andrea mentioned, some people in the office, some people teleworking, what implications that will have, how we can look at attracting talent in different places if people do not have to be co-located with the work. So, you know, we are looking and having a whole range of discussions. Are we going to have to have different value propositions for different segments of the population? We're looking at flexibility in our working conditions, you know, from part-time to working in shifts and being more accommodating for personal circumstances. So, you know, there are just a number of things that we're all you know, really starting to try to understand and, you know, look at the long-term impacts. We need to, you know, consider several factors in this new normal. Childcare is the thing that we're most concerned about going into the fall here um, with the virtual schools and, and supporting families and that balance. So, you know, our immediate attention is really understanding the supports our working parents need as, you know, they navigate what's in front of them. Right. And I'm turning to uh, Jen next and just talk about, you know, from your perspective, lessons learned about all this we've gone through and Booz Allen Hamilton has gone through. Jen? Sure thing, Roger. I will say that we're thriving in what we call this new normal that we've really been in for five plus months. Uh, the, The one thing we've learned is we continue to demonstrate that we're a resilient firm and we've got agility in in our back pocket. Um, Productivity is strong. We've figured out how to use technology. Our people have figured out how to engage with each other. Um, And we've proven that remote work can really be successful. Um, Second, I think, and a really important thing is that we really always need to look ahead. I think we all thought that, you know, this was going to be something that, that might even stay, you know, off the United States shores or wouldn't, you know, travel outside of the original zones. Um, we realized it's it's not, and it's a long-term thing. So we've got to always be thinking about what comes next, um, such as COVID testing on demand. Um, and that comes with reprioritizing investments, because if we do want to do some kind of uh, testing on demand, that's going to take money. Um, and finally, I think we're achieving new levels of understanding and empathy with our staff you know, as we've discussed multiple times here, they're in multiple circumstances and we've got to reinvent what we need to do to support them long-term. Thanks. And so I want to turn to Andrea now, talk a little bit about, I guess, this new normal with your clients and and what does that look like and what are some of the lessons learned there? Yeah, absolutely, Roger. I think, you know, I think what we're going to see in this new normal is really a hybrid approach going forward where I think the industry and our clients, both federal and commercial clients, are starting to see some of the values in having some remote delivery. And I'll give you an example. Uh, We recently stood up a new program out in the Midwest, one of our major business centers, and it was supposed to be delivered 
you know, kind of locally with local talent. And as a result of COVID, we had to quickly pull in technologists, data science from all over the country, and they were able to deliver that program on schedule, no risks, and exceeded the client's requirements. And that was done because we could reach to experts across literally global uh, reaches. And, and I think that's part of what I believe the new norm will be. And I think we're going to see a hybrid. I think we're still going to see people going to client locations. Absolutely. But I think there's going to be a willingness and an understanding for maybe we can reach greater talent experts across the world to really address some of these uh, really mission essential programs uh, that we're facing with our clients. You know, and finally, Roger, one of the things that I, I continue to see and I believe we'll see in this new normal is we are going to be much more digitally minded going forward. We've already seen it. We've accelerated the rate of adoption. And I think we're all going to think differently and our clients are going to kind of have expectations that we think differently about bringing new innovation and technology to really address some of their most pressing uh, challenges going forward. Yeah, that's really interesting. This the ability to leverage expertise across the company, the organization, because of technology and what, what's available. And I'll throw this out for any of you guys. Just it's something that I've mentioned on the breaks to you guys before. Is I, I'm very interested in data and. Andrea, you mentioned digital transformation and the role of technology, you know, in supporting the client. Do you think one of the big lessons learned is just the importance of being able to more effectively and efficiently manage data to make decision making? And do you think the government's got that? Yeah, I'm absolutely happy to start. Uh, this is Andrea again, Roger. Yeah, I I think the government um, has an understanding, at least what we've seen, where they've asked us to really stand up very quickly some really critical what I'll call dashboards that, that create data analytics and leverage data analytics to provide them more situational awareness. And I think that, you know, as a result of this pandemic, I think it's making them more uh, aware of the potential opportunities they have because they have the data. It's really about how we leverage that data and, and find newer learnings from the data that's available. So yeah, I absolutely do see that shift coming. Amy, Jen, anything to add to that? Or? Um, it's Jen. I can build um, on that. I, when I think about data for this, I think of two categories. I think of people's personal data, um, and then I think of the data sources in the early days of the crisis management team as we were getting things together. Um, so, on the personal data side, we, you know, we've been doing testing and we've been figuring out who has antibodies or not, and you gather a little bit of personal data and we've had to really work our way through, you know, do we keep that? How do we keep that? How do we protect that data? We're also asking our people to uh, monitor their own health and, you know, look at an app every day and make sure that you answered all the questions the right way if you are going into the office. So there's personal data that, you know, today people are uncomfortable with gathering and sharing personal data. And so there's a little bit of the, it's complex, I guess, is the right word when you do contact tracing. On the data sources side of it, um, I will tell you early on in the in the crisis management team work, we had a tough time figuring out who we listened to. Um, who was the definitive source? Do you? Uh, we would get people that would join our calls that would say, "I saw this on this website," and and you know nobody had seen this website, nobody knew of the website, so you had to figure out. Are you looking at Johns Hopkins? Are you looking at CDC? Are you looking at the State Department? Um, and so the data has been a challenge um, for 
what is definitive. And I think that everybody, you know, certainly in our nation was just trying to solve the problem, but you didn't necessarily know if, if their data was valid. Right. And Amy, I'm going to ask you the last question because we're getting at the break and and just, you can sum up things, but you know, the, the idea of the hybrid workplace and, you know, in your role in supporting professional development of Booz Allen employees, how do you see that, you know, working out? I mean, I know in my younger days, that ability to get with the water cooler with your, your more senior folks and just, you know, learn from them just from, by talking and, and absorbing their experience. How is that all going to work? Do you think moving forward? Um, and then, and just, you can close talking about that and who's Alan Hamilton's culture. Yeah. I honestly don't think we know for sure how that's all going to work in the future. As we move into this hybrid, um, working model, we are going to have to look at, you know, things being equal, uh, equal opportunities for individuals that are, you know, remote, those that are in the office, how you're getting the the input of all, right? And so that you're not oh. erring towards those people that are in the room with you. And I think that's a lot of what we have to work through. We have to figure out, you know, what that working model is going to look like. And that's a lot of what the HR community is looking at right now and talking about. How are we going to manage this in this new world to create equity and to to allow for both to coexist? Um, and I, I don't think we have the answers uh, for that yet, but it is something that we're looking at, honestly. And with that said, though, you know, we are proud of our firm's early response, including how we've addressed our people and our clients' needs in this environment. I really believe that Booz Allen's culture allowed us to make this pivot and to adapt to this new dynamic, and it will um, allow for that in the future. Yeah. Well, I mean, in Booz Allen, you have the the cultural foundation. I, you know, I'm confident that you guys are going to figure it out. Um, and it's really, it's about asking the right questions and it, and it sounds like you are asking the right questions in that regard. And, um, I want to thank you all, Andrea, Jen, Amy, so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's fascinating discussion and see how who's Alan Hamilton's responded to COVID-19. Um, and so I want to thank you. I want to thank my guests, Andrea and Sarah, executive vice president. Amy George Leary, Senior Vice President, and Jen Wagner, Senior Vice President with Booz Allen Hamilton. I'm Roger Waldron, and you've been listening to Off the Shelf on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Off the Shelf with Roger Waldron of the Coalition for Government Procurement on Federal News Network. Tune in Tuesday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. 
Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 smart bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 special edition smart bed. Plus special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.